Welcome to the First Pres podcast, which features the message from this past Sunday's worship. If you would like to worship with us in person, our services are Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, 10, and 11 o'clock. You can learn more about First Pres at www.first-pres.org. Hey, did you, did you all know that not every church has a choir like that? Thank you. So appreciate you all. So, so appreciate. Friends, open your Bibles as we look to Matthew 14 this morning and um, continue in our, our series about what a soul needs. We look to Matthew 14 today, verses 22 to 33, and uh, as you're opening your Bible or pulling the Bible out in front of you or turning your Bible on, let's, uh, let's go to the, the Lord in prayer. Lord, when we seek your word, we pray for your mercy, because in the confusion of our minds and understanding, unless you reach out to us and speak to us by the power of your Holy Spirit, we can miss it. So, Lord, have mercy on your people. Help us to hear your word and to follow in your ways. In Jesus' name, amen. The New Testament lesson is from Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 to 33. Hear now the word of the Lord. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. What a soul needs is a savior. Do you know where to turn to find help? If your body's sick, I hope you know a good doctor. If your teeth are feeling bad, I can point you to a good dentist. If you're having a bad hair day, there are experts in the house that can get everything set in the right direction. Maturity, wisdom, smart living is not about never needing anything. It's about finding the help you need 
when you need it. It's a couple of months ago, there was a four-year-old in London, and this mother was having an emergency, and the four-year-old was smart enough to ask Siri to dial the emergency number. Hey, Siri. Kind of waiting to hear phones go off. I was practicing in my office, and that's what happened. So, I, so good for you. It didn't happen here. You all turned your iPhones off. Amazing. But hey, Siri, we want to know where to find help. Some people would like to train their cats to dial 911, wouldn't But you can't trust cats. <laughs> we know that. Boy, that got an amen. Friends, it's important to know who to call when you need help. How about when your soul needs help? How do you find help? I spent a year in Oxford studying uh, philosophy and theology, and it it culminated in a, a master's thesis that I had to defend orally. And as I was walking in to defend this thesis, there was a a professor walking in beside me. My thesis was called Salvation in Plotinus and Origin of Alexandria. I know you all want a copy. We'll put a link on the website. But I compared a a great Greek philosopher with a, a great church father on what it meant to be saved. And as I was walking in to defend this thesis, one of the professors that was sitting on the panel that I had to answer to was walking in beside me. Now let me tell you, these are some intimidating people, these Oxford professors. They walk around in these these, uh, black gowns all the time and you're half scared to death to speak to any of them because you don't know who you're really talking to. This might be the world's foremost expert in the subject. And this one turned to me and said, oh yes, McConnell. I was very curious about your thesis. I would have thought Plotinus had no need for a savior. What do you say to that? And of course he was right. He was right in in the mind of a, a Greek philosopher. It would be an embarrassment to seek outside help. They believed that they had everything that they needed from the universe to to do things right. They just had to think with discipline and and think clearly and activate themselves under their own will. And why would you need a Savior? I'd say that same sentiment is present today. It comes at us in a thousand ways. You know, people say a groaned woman shouldn't have need of of outside uh, religious moral dictates to guide her life. A real man ought to be able to save himself. An intelligent person handles their own spiritual business without outside input. Only a weakling needs a Savior. Listen, it takes strength to face the truth. The fool is the one who seeks no help where help is needed. That's the fool. No, Plotinus uh, may have been a pretty smart cookie. He, He may have been one of the sharpest knives in the drawer for Greek philosophers. But Plotinus needed a savior. We all need a savior. Every one of us needs a savior for our souls. 
A soul can't survive on puffed up pride and false confidence. A soul just won't rest on that. No, that's not a stable setting for a soul. That's not going to rest your eternal soul. It won't. If we are truly seeking what a soul needs, well, a soul, a soul needs a Savior. A soul needs Jesus. Why? Because without a Savior, we're stuck in our sin. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Or Romans 5.12, therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people because all sinned. We often concentrate on sin as a crime against God. A crime of disobedience against God's righteousness for which God's justice demands retribution, therefore sending Jesus to the cross to pay the penalty that you and I could not afford to pay. That's how we think of sin, and so it is. But do you ever think of sin and its effects on your life today? Sin is absolutely corrosive to the human soul. It corrodes us from the inside out. It's not just disobedience to God. It's self-destructive. In 1 Peter 2.11, we read, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your, what? Your soul. See, our disobedience, our disordered desires are our sinful consumptions. They insult God for sure. They break God's law. But they do damage to us. They corrode our own souls. Our souls have a, a built-in desire to seek harmony and integration, to seek wholeness. Sin disintegrates what the soul wants whole. You could write that down. That might help you. Sin disintegrates what the soul wants whole. That's why David in Psalm 32, he didn't just say, you know, God was really mad at me when I sinned. David said, my bones wasted away within me. My sin waged war against my soul. It was inside, this corrosive effect inside me. But then, but then, I turned to the Lord and I confessed my sins and he forgave my sins and I knew forgiveness. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. You see, sin disintegrates what the soul wants whole, but grace and forgiveness puts it all back together again. You may be tempted to make it on your own. You may think maturity means growing up past the need for a Savior like Jesus. You may think the best way to deal with your mistakes is to clean them up for yourself and ask no help. Let me tell you, a soul needs a Savior. One is not a fool who seeks help where help is needed. The fool is the one who perishes, silent, in pride, refusing the help of the only one who could save his soul. So today we look at Peter, this image of Peter getting out of the boat, this moment 
where Peter gets out of the boat and we get to see just what it means to have a savior for our souls. You know, what does it look like to step out of a boat? Can you imagine that? Put yourself in the scene. It's, it's the middle of the night, it's stormy, it's dark, and you're just seasoned enough of a sailor to know that your life is in jeopardy. This is for real. This is a serious problem. And then along comes Jesus. You see this figure coming toward you, and you think you recognize him, but there's no boat under him. He's just walking along like he's walking across Acacia Park. What's your heart doing now? What's going on in your soul? Jesus says three things in this storm. Take note of this. He says, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. He says these three things. Take heart, that's internal. Have courage, be built up inside. Take heart, and then on the third thing he says is do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. Be built up on the inside, and when you look to the outside, don't, don't be afraid of those things. Don't allow those things to cast you into irrational fear. Why? Because of what's right in the middle, what's right in the core of what he says across the wind and the waves. It is I. It's the same phrase as I am. It's translated here, it is I. It could just as easily be translated, I am. Take heart. Don't be afraid. Why? Because I am. You have your faith in me. See, it's not whether you have faith that matters. It's not that you're a person of faith. It's the object of your faith that matters. If you have Jesus Christ at the center of your faith, then you're built up on the inside. You're not afraid of the outside. Why? Because Jesus says, I am, and I'm with you. Peter is bold now. He's not sure, but he is bold. He says, if it's you, you see? You see how he's not sure, but he is bold. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. What did I just say? Could I take that back? But only if it's you, only if it is you. And Jesus calls his bluff. He says, wow, all right. <laughs> come on then. And then Peter, Peter who's been grasping his wooden seat in that boat, smart enough to know this could be it. He, he unclasps his hands. His friends look over at him amazed as Peter, smart enough not to do anything like this, stands up in the boat. He moves toward the edge of the boat. He puts his hands on, on the rail and he starts to lift his, his foot. What are you doing? And he gets out, and he puts his foot down on the other side. This is a, an amazing moment. Talk about putting your whole life in the hands of Jesus. Talk about, as we said last week, risking it all on the dare that Jesus is it. Talk about casting your life into the hands of Jesus. This is total commitment. This is whole self-discipleship. This is the riskiest thing Peter had ever done. It's the riskiest thing you and I could imagine doing. 
I mean, there's almost a kind of, of resignation to it, isn't there? Like, I don't, I mean, I could wind up at the bottom of the sea right now. This could be my last act. But I, I'm going to step toward Jesus. And he doesn't. This could be his last moment on earth, but it's also the safest place Peter could ever be. The safest place for his soul. Why? Not because of what's going on inside of him. Not because of what's going on all around him. But because of the one who stands before him. Because of the one who calls his name. The one who called his name makes him safe and secure. It may seem crazy to step out of a boat in the sea in the middle of a storm at night, but stepping fully toward Jesus when he calls is the safest place you can be and the most settled place for your soul. And then what happens? Peter's walking. He's, he's walking on the water. Not many people can say they've done that. You see, when Jesus has called you, when Jesus is in the middle, when your faith is in Christ and Christ is your companion, there can be peace. Peace in the middle of torrential downpours of events and errors and attacks and sufferings and waves and, and wind and, and tears and, and trials and all else with Jesus is there. You can stand secure, and Peter stands. He stands. But then, just as suddenly, Peter begins to sink. He starts to, to sink down. And we have to ask, well, what shifted? What's different? What changed? The, the wind and the waves are exactly the same. The sea is no different than it was just before when Peter stepped out in faith. Jesus is no different. He's the same Jesus that called and said, okay, come, and, and that Peter stepped forward to. It's the same Jesus. If anything, Peter can see Jesus more clearly because he's a little closer to him than he was before. So what has changed? What shifted? Well, what shifted was inside of Peter. His heart, his soul, it shifted. The scripture says uh, he saw the wind. Now you can't see wind really. I was driving in my car with one of my boys and I said, look at that music playing. And my smart, smart child said, dad, you can't see music. <laughs> said, thank you, son. Thank you very much. Happy Father's Day. That's right. You can't see the wind. So what do you mean Peter saw the wind? Well, take it as perceived. Maybe he perceived. Well, even if he perceived the wind, didn't he perceive it before he got out of the boat? It's the same wind. And there he is. And what shifts, what shifts is this. Peter's soul momentarily founded on the certainty of a full and pure response to the call of Jesus on his life. Peter's soul shifts to another foundation for just a moment. Whew. And down he begins to slide. 
it's a very bad moment to choose to switch foundations. But it happens. And now Peter gets the opportunity to say the most important thing. He gets the opportunity to say the most important thing that he has said so far. Verse 30, but when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out. The most important thing he could possibly say, the most important thing that you or I could could possibly cry out. Here it is, Lord, save me. Lord, save me. Me. This beats if it's you. This beats if it's your will. Lord, save me. This could be the most important prayer you ever pray. Prayer doesn't have to be eloquent. It doesn't have to be ancient and ritualized. It has to be genuine. It has to be from the heart, from the soul, deep inside, from deep inside his being. Peter cries, Lord, save me. And do you know what? He meant it. Pray to the Lord as though you mean it. Call out to him as though you mean it. From the bottom of your heart, from the depths of your soul, you cry out to God, Lord, save me. Only a fool keeps sinking when help is right at hand. Only a fool says, a grown man saves himself when he's about to go under in the Galilean Sea. When life is taking you under, there's one prayer for you, Lord. You want to say it together? Lord, save me. So here's the picture. Here's the picture of your soul in the hands of Jesus. Here's the picture. Last week we said the first step to a healthy soul is to entrust it to Jesus. Most problems are soul problems, but soul health is possible because God loves your deepest you. He loves your soul, but it takes giving your whole life over to Jesus. That's the cost. Out of the boat, over the rail, on the water. Not my will, Lord, but your will be done. The life I now live, I live by faith. So look at Peter. Look at Peter knee deep in the waves with his hand in the hand of Jesus. That's what a soul needs. John Calvin wrote, for as the surest source of destruction to men is to obey themselves. Boy, should we just pause on that for a moment? Could I read you a more countercultural quote? All we hear in our life is that we're supposed to obey ourselves. Calvin says the surest source of destruction is to obey yourself. We better think about which one of those is right. John Calvin writes, For the sure, as, sure, as the surest source of destruction to men is to obey themselves, so the only haven of safety is to have no other will, no other wisdom than to follow the Lord wherever he leads. Let this then be the first step to abandon ourselves and devote the whole energy of our minds to the service of God. That's the first step to abandon ourselves out of the boat 
Or Pastor Bryant Kirkland in his book, Home Before Dark, he said, a man learns to live more fully only when he learns to die daily into the confidence of the Savior's care. That's what a soul needs. Knee deep in the water, knee deep in the waves, with your hand firmly in the hand of Jesus. Last week for staff devotion, Jim DeJarnette led our staff chapel and um, he shared the story of Horatio Spafford. Spafford was a successful lawyer and a property investor in Chicago when the great fire of 1871 took all of his wealth along with his two-year-old son. Ruined, he determined to go back to Europe. And at the last minute, there was a a change of plans and he sent his wife and his four daughters ahead of himself on a ship. The ship sank and his four daughters drowned. And he received a telegram from his wife that simply read, saved alone. As he traveled on another ship over those very same waters, Spafford in his grief and his tears and his prayers, he looked out over the the waters and he was inspired to write a hymn. It is well with my soul. When peace like a river attendeth my way or when sorrows like sea billows roll. Whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to know it is well, it is well with my soul. Though Satan should buffet, though trial should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. It's more of a battle cry than an assessment of the situation. Let me tell you. In the middle of the pain, in the middle of the waves and the wind and the tears and the injustice and the unfairness of it all, I know, I declare, I proclaim, I know on what my soul is founded. I know on whom my soul rests. I know in whose hands my faith connects me and I'm grasped and it is well, it is well with my soul. A soul needs a savior. You might think you don't, but let me tell you today, weakness is not calling on a savior. Strength is not pretending to be okay when everything is disintegrating. When from the soul out, everything is spinning apart in your life in concentric rings of destruction. Strength isn't saying, I'm gonna be fine. Strength is calling out to the one who can save your soul, and he is right before you. Peace is possible even in rough waters, but only as that peace comes to you from the outside. If you're in Peter's situation and the problem is the waves and the water, you're flailing around, it only makes more waves, but there's one standing before you, one standing before you, and if you call out to him simply from the heart, A soul needs a savior. We have a savior. Those who were in the boat, they worshiped him. 
saying, truly, you are the son of God. Don't sink down any deeper. Don't let your, don't let your soul go under. The Savior is here. He is here. Lord, save me. Lord, we thank you for this morning, and we thank you that no matter what's going on in our lives, you see us, you know us, and from where we are, we are able to call out to you from our very soul a genuine prayer of deep need, a genuine faith. Lord, save me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to our First Prez podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.first-prez.org.